Welcome once again, Bears fans, to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. Give him the stop. Follow us on Twitter at Bears underscore Scat. Thanks everybody for tuning in to another episode. And we had a series of topics we wanted to discuss, but as we were sitting down to start recording, we saw the breaking news cross that Breaking News! I wish I wish I was that excited about this one, but Jim Harbaugh officially to the Chargers. The Bears purportedly did not even reach out to gauge his interest in potentially coaching them, and now it's official that Jim yeah. Harbaugh has left Michigan to coach another NFL team, which I'm really bummed about because I think that's very clearly the best hire of the offseason that any NFL team is going to make, but Bears weren't interested, so... Congratulations to the LA Chargers. I think that's a tremendous improvement over any coach they've had in a very long time, and certainly Brandon Staley. Yeah, I think it was pretty obvious um, when he went out there the first time. Uh, you know, obviously the rumors were true that he wanted some uh, decision making in the in the personnel process, which is you know primarily the GM. Well. They fired their head coach and their GM, so that leaves that open. And then once they made the announcement that, uh, you know, it was his second interview, <laughs> it was like, yeah. okay, yeah, I guess he, I guess he's taking the job. So um, I, I, I'm wondering if they're going to have some kind of GM anyway come in, and you know, it'll it'll be kind of a split thing, or whether he's just going to run the whole enchilada. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure that there will be some personnel power. I feel like if you're Jim Harbaugh, you're not leaving to just be the head coach. And the rumor earlier in the offseason was that Harbaugh would be the head coach and Ian Cunningham, the Bears' assistant GM, right. would go to be the GM for the Chargers, which would make a little bit of sense because you pair Harbaugh with a rookie general manager that's still learning the ropes a little bit. I'll say this, and I don't recall if Harbaugh had personnel power in San Francisco, I, I actually don't think he did. That rarely goes well. So I am not sure how this is going to be structured. Like I said, the, the rumor still broke. The, the rumor, the, the news broke like less than 10 minutes ago. But I would imagine, yeah, I mean, he's probably de facto general manager and then they'll probably bring right. someone in with the title but I would imagine they'll defer to Jim Harbaugh and we'll see how that goes like I said it, it's pretty rare that that goes well the notable exception obviously being Bill Belichick for a long time yeah yeah I I, I think that is going to be a big part of it though and um, obviously that wasn't going to happen in Chicago because uh, Warren and Poles are, are a team that's um, that's not going to end anytime soon well uh Locally, uh, the bigger news for us, obviously, is bringing in Shane Waldron, and um, I gotta say, uh, I'm liking it. Yeah, I think so. I'm not gonna be able to give a, a a hot take on it because if Shane Waldron walked into the room, I'd have no idea who he was. He's <laughs> got a good resume. He seems objectively qualified. He's coached in a lot of places. He's called plays before. Um, He's had success that's... Worked under good people. Yeah, he's had success with multiple quarterbacks, and a big thing for me is that it doesn't seem like his success has been linked to, like, one great quarterback, right? Like, right. we saw with Getze, where he 
had all of his success under Rodgers. Seems like Shane Waldron's gotten results with a number of different QB1s. I mean, he won an NFL game last year with Drew Locke. Yeah. And to me, like, the biggest thing that would have been a red flag was that if Shane Waldron didn't take the Bears job, I think somebody else would have hired him, which is good because you never want to be in a position where... You're hiring somebody that nobody else wanted. I you mean like Mike Martz? Or like, <laughs> or, or like Matt, or Mike Tice? Or Matt Eberflus is the head coach right now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it seems like Shane Waldron did have some other good options, and he chose to go to the Bears. And I don't think they're going to do an introductory press conference, so we probably won't hear from him until I, I would imagine the preseason. But yeah, it seems like a fine hire. I, I don't know that they really could have done better given the circumstance with this role and we've talked about that plenty with the fact that you're coming in to report up to Matt Eberflus who potentially might be a a bit of a lame duck I I think they at least found a candidate that is a representative offensive coordinator right it's not Mike Tice or Mike Martz like you said yeah and uh, you know uh, it's like you said yeah he's uh, worked with multiple quarterbacks he's worked under good coaches Um, his resume is uh is respectable. Um, he certainly doesn't seem like the, well, we got nobody else to choose kind of candidate. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I was reading today, um, a, an interesting, uh, interesting, uh, perspective. And that was, um, this is kind of perfect, a perfect hire for polls because it really doesn't give any indication as to what path he, he's going to choose with quarterback. Uh, because it's, it's, pretty ambiguous i mean he could he could continue with fields or be the first guy uh for a new rookie and one of the things i guess that his a strength of his that is well known in the nfl is his ability as a teacher yeah that certainly has come through and what i've heard i've heard a lot of good things i've heard some bad things too i think that for the most part, though, this is, a, like I said, a very qualified offensive coordinator. And, of course, he's coached under Sean McVay because every yeah. offensive coordinator that gets hired in the NFL now has to have some connection to Sean McVay or Kyle <laughs> Shanahan. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he seems like he did a good job in Seattle for the most part. And I've heard a little bit of negativity coming out of Seattle about him, but I kind of chalk that up to... Fans are always going to complain about their offensive coordinator unless he's, like, fantastic. Right. And, you know, I I think he did a very good job with Geno Smith and Drew Locke and late career Russell Wilson. But all of those quarterbacks have their flaws, especially at the stage of Russ's career that he was at. So when you've got a flawed quarterback, you're going to have a bit of a flawed offense at times. And I think some of that blame just gets heaped onto the offensive coordinator. So... I haven't heard anything that makes me say that this is a bad hire, that Shane Waldron's going to do a good job, and I, or is going to do a bad job, I mean. And I, I think that the biggest thing now is get him the best possible quarterback available. And right. like you said, it's unclear whether he thinks that is Justin Fields or whether he thinks it's a quarterback that they're going to be able to draft. But I think that if you get him a good quarterback, then chances are he'll be a good offensive coordinator. Yeah, and, uh, you know, uh, you, you got to – the players are the players play, so you know the, the coaches only take it so far. 
But there was, uh, this is obviously an upgrade over Luke Getze, <laughs> simply from the experience standpoint. Absolutely. Right? So, um, you know, it, it, that, that part of it, at least we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, you, um, you don't have someone learning on the job. Yeah, he, he's done all of the prerequisites that you need to do to do this job. And yeah, really, he's, he's kind of in that area where you would start looking at, you know, next level, being a head coach. But I think that um, the Bears kind of, uh, you know, with the firing of Pete Carroll, he just, he, there he was, and, and he wasn't going to take that jump this year. So it it's a I think it looks like a pretty good hire. Yeah, and one thing that I have heard is that maybe he's just not high on the list for prospective head coaching candidates just because he doesn't interview well, which is one of the things that has come through in a couple of the people that I've listened to and sounds like he's a little bit rough around the edges and maybe just doesn't have the personality that is desirable when teams are looking for a head coach. So well, he's obviously got a good communication with quarterbacks because the the numbers don't lie. Yeah. I mean, he, he did it with, like you said, he did it with uh, Geno Smith, um, revived his career. Uh, he did it with late Russell Wilson. He did it with Jared Goff. So um, he, he, he has had um, some success. Yeah, and we'll see how it works out in Chicago. What I just said could turn out to be completely false. Right? Like, <laughs> We're gonna get we're gonna get to know this guy, and if what I just said is true, maybe that's a good thing for the Bears because maybe that just means that if things go well, he sticks around for a little while longer than he otherwise would if he was some up and coming head coaching candidate that was viewed as a rising star. So we'll see. I mean, I don't really have anything bad to say about it right now. I think that I feel better about this one than I did even when they hired Luke Getze because I remember when they hired Getze, you and I were sitting here like, oh, you know, this guy hasn't called plays before. <laughs> He's yep. really only coached Aaron Rodgers. He's sounds like a pretty bright guy that a lot of teams think really highly of, but he just hasn't proven it. And, look, he only made it two years and he got fired. So the fact that they brought somebody in that's done it before successfully, I just feel a lot better about that than the alternative. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of who it was, but uh, I saw somebody from the Chicago arena uh, on Twitter that had posted, what if Getze goes to his next team and, and tears it up? Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's all I got to say. Yeah. I don't see that happening, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't wish any ill against the guy. Well, and he might because I think that, Pretty much wherever he goes, he's going to be coaching under a better head coach than he was with the Bears, right? So that, that could be the case. Maybe some, some, maybe if he's working with a little bit more oversight and a little bit more collaboration from the head coach, then maybe he can iron out some of the flaws that he showed in his time here in Chicago. And I know Getzi's interviewed for, what, the Raiders job, I think, and then maybe... I feel like his name's come up a couple times over the last week, so I'd be pretty surprised if he does get another OC job this year, but I'm sure he'll get another one at some point, and yeah, if he does better than he did in Chicago, then Godspeed to him. I'm not wishing yeah. ill upon the man, but I'm, I'm glad he's not here anymore. I, I would expect that he probably would move back to quarterback more like coach. a quarterback coach position, right? Um, so, um. 
What do you think about, uh, I saw that the Bears interviewed, they have a scheduled interview with Chris Harris, and uh, Jim and I were talking a little bit about that with friend of the show, Chris, and uh, yeah, we were saying that is an interest, that would be an interesting hire, you know, I think uh, um, his focus is going to primarily be on on the passing game, and uh, I could see him uh, working out pretty well with Matt Eberflus, but I did see that I think the defensive line coach is from the Titans is also going to interview. Yeah, and have we established what the defensive coordinator is going to do on this team? No, Matt, I, I think that's I think that's kind of up in the air, up for review in the off season. I mean, I really liked Chris Harris as a player. I don't know. I always just had he. I was always a big fan of his. I always thought he was a little bit underrated when he was on the Bears. He always kind of had a knack for coming up with a big interception or a big play. And I always thought he was just a really solid safety that kind of got overshadowed by all of the great players on the Bears defense during his time here. And he's been coaching for a while. I think he was actually on Mark Tressman's staff when really when, when he was here. I think he was like... A, oh, yeah, I think he was. Yeah, I think he was like a defensive quality control coach or yep. something, which... Obviously, that was a long time ago, so... Oh. Yeah, because there was... Um, it was wondered if he was going to be retained when Trussman left. Yeah, and he was not, but he's, he was not. he's coached in a couple places since. I know he's coached for Chico. He's coached under Mike Brabel. Seems highly thought of as a coach, and listening to a couple of the reporters this week that covered him during his time with the Bears, they all had really just good things to say about his football acumen and about just his overall knowledge of the game. So, look, again, I am not going to sit here and have a strong take on if he would be a great or a terrible defensive coordinator. Right. But if they hired him, I think it would be cool because it's former Bear and it yeah. seems like someone that's kind of risen up through the ranks over the last 10 years. And I'd be happy for him because, like I said, I was always a big fan of his as a player. But to me, I was as well. Yeah, to me, I think defensive coordinator is just a lot less interesting because I think Matt Eberflus is probably going to end up calling the plays again. Yeah, he's going to have a heavy hand in it no matter what happens, yeah. um, a la Lovey Smith, too. But, uh, uh, you know, ho- hopefully he does remember that, you know, he's, he's the head coach. He's not the defensive coordinator, so uh, he makes that his focus. Yeah, and... It, it's just one of those things where I'm not it, I'm not sure that there's enough hours in the day where you can do both of those jobs effectively, being like defensive play caller and head coach. Right. Unless you're like the elite of the elite. Like, obviously, Sean McVay can do it. He can call offensive plays and be the head coach of the Rams. Or Bill Belichick, right? Like, the best of the best coaches and... Actually, McVeigh's in-game coaching decisions are not always that good, but it's a really tough job if you're doing both roles. So one of the things that we both really liked about Matt Eberflus when he was hired was that he said he was going to be the CEO, yep. and he was until he had to fire his defensive coordinator, and then he took over that role himself. So, And, you know, maybe... I hope uh, he, Obviously, he had to do that in the middle of the season. So maybe that, maybe that changes things. On, he was also on his last legs as a coach because yeah. if the season had continued to spiral, he wouldn't be back. No. Like, the only reason that 
he got a third year is because the second half of the season was much improved. I mean, if you think back to the first half of last year, it was pretty bad, and everybody had essentially written the story on Matt Eberflus by the time week eight rolled around, and then they acquired Montez Sweat, and the defense started playing better, and Matt Eberflus saved his job. But I am of the opinion that I would like him to give defensive play calling back to somebody else, but I'm not convinced he's going to do that because I think that is something he likes to do. I think he just likes to be the defensive coordinator with the title of head coach. So, um, moving on, I wanted to um, ask you about Mel Kuyper. Mel <laughs> Kuyper 1 came out, and uh, at pick 1, he does have the Bears taking Caleb Williams. Thoughts? I think that's most likely. I think that... he's He brought up the point, and I've seen this from Biggs, and you've mentioned it too, that, and I was going to bring this up in a little bit, so uh, it, it's okay to just go ahead and comment on the whole thing. Biggs made another point today in his Q&A about there's this group, there's a contingent of fans who are saying, we need to stick with Justin Fields and we can go ahead and trade down and we're going to get a future first round pick and then next year, if we need to, we can use that top first round pick. Maybe it's going to be number one overall and draft a quarterback. And Kuyper and Biggs both, in so many words, said the chances of that happening are small. Right. And people are not taking that into account. They're... They're looking at this like that kind of thing just happens all the time. So, first of all, thoughts on, on drafting a quarterback? I think that's just what they're going to do. I have heard every NFL commentator over the last three weeks give their opinion on this. Yeah. And... Pretty much anybody that has any sort of connections that I trust has said that the Bears are going to take Caleb Williams. And I understand the appeal of trading down and yeah. get pot stockpiling draft picks and sticking with Justin because everybody likes Justin. I like Justin. Yeah. I wish that his time with the Bears had gone differently. And if they do end up keeping him and trading down and uh, running it back one more year. Like, I'm not going to be upset about that because right. I like Justin a lot. And if they decide that he's the best option for the Bears going forward, then I'll be 100% behind that. But Agreed. I just don't think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to go through the quarterback evaluation, and I think they're going to find a, a, a quarterback in college that, to quote Ryan Poles, blows him away yeah like i think that caleb williams is that good of a prospect and you get all the extra benefits of then you've got uh restarted rookie clock on your qb1 you've got a quarterback that doesn't have to learn his fifth system in four years and i just think that's the route that they're going to go and a lot of fans are going to disagree with that but those same fans 
are going to be excited as hell for Bears football in September when they've got the first overall quarterback and a brand new wide receiver that they're probably going to draft in the first round and a couple new free agents on the line. Like this offense is going to look really good come September when you just look at it on paper. So yeah, fans are going to be upset in the short term, but I just don't think the Bears are going to take that into account. I think they're going to go with a quarterback and I think they're going to trade Justin Fields for a pick. One of the strengths from Caleb Williams um, and I think Drink May for that matter uh, is how do you feel about Justin as far as climbing the pocket? In other words, he feels pressure. He steps into the pocket rather than abandons the pocket. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like he keeps his eyes downfield. Yeah, yeah. So one of the that's one of the criticisms is that Fields was near the top of the list as running out of the pocket and then attempting to make a play versus staying in the pocket, climbing the pocket, and moving forward to keep, like you said, eyes downfield and make a passing play. Yeah, and like this gets back to the entire conversation of winning from the pocket versus getting out in space and making things happen with your feet. And I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. I think you can be right. successful both ways. And I don't think that they're going to move on from Justin because he runs the ball too much or because he doesn't stick in the pocket for long enough. I think they're going to move on from Justin because I just don't think he's shown an ability to process the game as quickly as you need to, to be elite. And it's not very often that you have a chance to add a quarterback with elite potential to your team. And yeah, if going back to that Biggs article, you can't count on having the first overall pick again next year. You can't say, we're going to hang on to Justin and if things don't go well, well then we'll just take the best guy next year because no matter who you trade the pick to, the overwhelming likelihood is you're picking fourth, fifth, sixth. Like The the best guys are going to be gone by that point, right? I mean, you've gotten the first overall pick two years in a row and just think about the amount of luck that's had to go into that. Yeah. Like... It's very random who ends up getting that pick, and oftentimes it comes down to a ball bouncing this way or somebody getting injured that you weren't expecting. Or like, yeah, Well, uh, 2022, we weren't supposed to get the top pick. Right. Lovey did that. Yeah, and think, think about... <laughs> Have they built his statue? They should. I know. Think, think, think about that throw that Davis Mills made. <laughs> like, it, it, it went right through a Colts defender's hands. If that... Pass gets picked off, which is just completely random, and the Bears are picking second, and they probably don't have DJ Moore right now, and they probably don't have the first overall pick again this year. So there's just a lot that has to happen for you to be picking, and even the top five, because teams that are supposed to be awful win six games all the time. Right. I mean, everybody going into this year... Like the Bears. Yeah, everybody going into this year said... Man, the Arizona Cardinals, that's one of the worst rosters we've seen. And they're picking, what, fifth? Yeah. So, a lot of times, it's just luck. And if you hang on to Justin, and he's bad next year, this roster is still good enough to win six games. 
So you're picking outside of the top five there, and then whoever you traded the pick to is going to have the first overall quarterback in the draft, Caleb Williams. And yeah. if, if he's awesome, then he's going to win six games on his own. So there's a chance that you end up with two picks and, you know, whatever, call it the 8 to 15 range. And that's still great, but right. it's not going to get you the best quarterback in the draft. So Yeah, this is interesting. When the Bears traded, this is from Biggs, when the Bears traded the number one pick last year, it was the 13th time top pick had been traded since 1967. So we're going way back. That's that's pre-AFL, NFL um, uh, unification. Yep. Um, only two of those 13 times involved a future first-round pick. One was in 1990 when the Colts traded up to one with the Atlanta Falcons to select Jeff George. And the only other one was in 2016 when the Rams traded up to one with the Titans to select Jared Goff. So that's how unusual what happened last year is just looking purely at the data. Right, so the chances of them pulling off the trade, getting a future first round, and it ended up being, you know, a number one, a really really small. And he gives the example here. He says, let's say Poles nets the number four pick in twenty twenty five. Right, still a good pick because we agreed when the season started. You know, hey, that was awesome that we got Carolina's first pick because we knew that it was going to be high because they were so bad but we didn't have any idea that it was going to be number one I mean we could presuppose that but it was like you were saying you would like to get New England's pick right because most likely New England is very much going to struggle this year with all the changes that are happening with the organization yep but we don't have any clue as to whether they're going to be, like you said, they could be a bad team and still win five games. Yeah, it happens all the time. <clears throat> so, say you do end up with, as he gives the example here, the number four pick in 2025, trying to, if we're, if we're in the spot where it's become clear that Justin Fields is not going to move up any further than his current level, then we're stuck. Because we're not at number one, so we can't take the best overall pick. And we have to try and beggar our way up to a better spot to try and get that number one guy. Yeah, exactly. And look, if you surround Fields with the best left tackle and the best receiver in the draft, which is possible if you do trade down, I mean, they could end up with some really great players on offense that are ready to make an impact next year. But I just think the quarterback's more important. And I think you have a chance to go out and get a better quarterback. And I think that's what they're going to do. I think that, look, we're in mock draft season. There's new mock drafts coming out every single day. I I think most of them are going to have Caleb Williams to the Bears, and then you figure it out from there. Yeah. Because... Here's the other thing, too. I think people are enamored with the 49ers a little bit because, 
like that's the model they've got a elite skill position group they've got a pretty good offensive line and then they dropped a quarterback in that they drafted in the seventh round and it just works because they've got so much talent on that offense and look I'm not saying that the Bears are close to that level they're obviously not but I also don't think this offense is that far away from being really good yeah if we put quarterback aside for a second and say the Bears add another top-tier wide receiver, either in free agency or in the draft, and they add another, and they sign a center yep. that can be competent, and you build up, maybe maybe you add another guard, add another depth receiver, like all things that they easily have the resources to do, and then you also drop in Caleb Williams. This offense should be pretty close to a top 10 offense next year, as long as Williams doesn't completely bust out. Well, friend of the show, Matt, um, he, he, for the last couple of years, he's been along the same vein as you as let's build an offense that we'll just try and outscore the other team every game. Yeah. Uh, I, he, he, he's been use every asset that we have to get more guys on offense. And we'll just have the defense just play, try and play catch up. Um, which I, I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, it, it, it definitely is reflective of a new direction that the Bears have needed to go for several years, right? And I think that you're looking at, uh, I, like you said, if they trade down, you could be looking at one of those top picks at left tackle. You could be looking at one of the top receivers uh, that's available, one of the top four guys. Um, and uh, uh, these, you know, the top four guys they're saying are elite. Um, and uh, you could, uh, you know, you, you could be using, you would probably get a second in that deal and you could be looking at uh, one of the top centers, which all of those things they got to do anyway, right? right? Um, I don't know what they're going to, nobody knows what they're going to do at left tackle. Um, I, I think they might, I think, uh, Warren or I think polls likes Braxton yeah, Jones. I don't think they're moving on from left. It, yeah. And, and probably will roll on with him. So even if they do draft, uh, Caleb Williams at one, they could still do the, the deal with the receiver and a, a deal with the receiver and with uh, getting a, a top center. Oh, absolutely. And they could end up with one of those elite left tackle prospects anyway. I mean, all that needs to happen is for there to be a run on quarterbacks before right. the Bears have that second pick in the first round. I mean, there could be six quarterbacks that go before pick number nine. Yeah, and absolutely. You add Marvin Harrison Jr., that's seven, and then... Yeah, if one of the left tackles goes, then that's already eight, and then you're picking again. So. Yeah, because you got you have the top three. Um, you know, May and Daniels and Williams are all going in the top ten for sure. Probably in the top five. Yeah, that uh, that could be one, two, three. That would not surprise me at all. Absolutely. Um, and then right behind there. Uh, you have Penix and um, Nix and and, and Nix and uh, McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah. And now, you know, it's the the momentum has already started. Of course, it goes absolutely berserk in April, but the momentum has already started for those guys moving up too. 
Um, so you could see six guys in the, in the top 15. So, uh, yeah, that certainly, that, that certainly will push things down. Absolutely. And we have no idea, but the Bears will absolutely get a good player at nine. Another common player that's linked there is Adunze from Washington. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but he looked great in the college football playoffs and he's a top 10 talent and people think that he's got just day one plug and play ability as a pro. And if you add a talent like that opposite DJ Moore and you go out and sign a depth piece at receiver, you've got a pretty elite receiving core right there. And, so and here's here's Kuiper's here's Kuiper's picks. Um, Kuiper has Adunze going to the Bears at nine, but I also wanted to point out he has Fashionow going to the Jets at ten. So that means, uh, the only reason I'm pointing that out is that means he, he thinks that there's a real shot that Fashionu could still be available that late in the game. Now, one of the things um, I did want to, he also mentions um, Dallas Turner, the edge rusher from Alabama. Yep. And, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, Leatu Latu, yep. who's the... Um, Who's the, the pass rusher from UCLA. Yeah. Um, but uh, I did want to point out, a Dunsey, I didn't realize his numbers were this good. 92 catches for 1,640 yards and 13 touchdowns this year. That's pretty great. Uh, is, and he had, a, I think he had 180 yards in the national championship game. Yeah, he was an absolute beast in the college football playoffs. And, look, we haven't even talked about Malik Neighbors. We haven't talked about Joe Alt. Like, yeah. we have no idea how all of these pieces are going to fall. But the Bears are going to have an ability to add on offense and get an elite talent regardless of what they do with the first overall pick. And as much fun as it sounds to say, yeah, let's trade back to two and then let's trade back to three and then we'll get – Marvin Harrison and Fashionu or we'll get a Dunze and and a left tackle, right? Like I just think that they're gonna go after the quarterback and I think they're gonna take the attitude of we're gonna get the best possible quarterback that we can. We've got a lot of draft capital anyway. We've got a lot of cap space still. We can fill in the gaps from there. Like the offense is already pretty decent. It it's not like you're dropping in Caleb Williams to the Carolina Panthers, whose best receiver was Adam Thielen and whose offensive line wasn't very good. And they just didn't have any talent to surround him with. Yeah. The Bears aren't in that situation. The Bears' offense was at least functional last year for the majority of games When you, once you got past that first awful month. Yeah. Like, it's not like Caleb Williams is going to be dropped into a barren wasteland. He's going to have DJ Moore. He's going to have Cole Komet. He's going to have... Another a receiver, other talented players, yeah, yeah, and, and they'll address center too. I have no doubt in my mind. I, I, I think they're probably going to bring in two guys at receiver. They should, yeah, and I, and I, I would be surprised if one of the high picks is not on receiver. Yeah, we'll see about that. I don't know if Poles is going to use a first round pick on receiver or if he's gonna fall more into the camp of you can get a good receiver in the second or third round. We don't know where he 
sits on that. He's drafted two receivers with later draft picks, and they've both been pretty bad. We, we went <laughs> let's, through, let's hope he does better than those. Yeah, we went through that last week, but there's also a lot of really smart NFL executives that think it's just not a smart allocation of resources to take a receiver in the top 10. So, I don't know. We're going we're gonna to find out. The fun thing is, it's funny, I was listening to the radio a couple days ago as I was working, and my fiance came down, and they were talking about the NFL draft, and she's like, when is the draft? I'm like, April. <laughs> and she's like, so they're just going to be having the same conversation from now until April? Yep. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, yep, over and over and over again. I know, and just... Every year, the NFL draft gets more and more popular, and there's just more and more of an industry built around mock drafts and draft analysis. And like, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna become really familiar with all of these guys over the course of the next four months. It's gonna be fun, but also I can already tell my head's gonna be spinning by the time we get to April, just because there's gonna be so much information on all these players that could end up on the Bears with these first two picks. <laughs> I I absolutely love it. Uh, it Give me as much as as, as you got. <laughs> but um, uh, so one thing I did want to touch on here, and uh, this is not this is not trying to beat a dead horse. I just I found this interesting, and so I just wanted your perspective on it. Um, somebody on Twitter posted uh, a list of how many games with uh, each quarterback had that was 225-plus passing yards. In 2023? In 2023. And um, the most was Goff. He had 14. Uh, Then you had Prescott and Tua at 13. Mahomes at 12, along with Love, Allen, Purdy, and Stafford. They were all at 12. Stroud with 11. Then the next group was Lawrence and Mayfield at 10. Now, just in those quarterbacks I've given you is 10 of the 14 quarterbacks that went to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Then you drop down a little bit to Hertz at 8. Lamar Jackson at 7. Flacco at six. <laughs> and he played what, like seven games? Right. And then the 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 bottom one is Rudolph. But Rudolph only started three games. But he had he had two he had two uh two twenty-five plus games in three games. But the bottom person other than Rudolph listed is Fields yeah. at three. So he almost had four. He was two yards away from four. Yeah, I mean, it's just not enough. And I just, when I was looking at, the, I mean, to me, this is the kind of data that I like to look at because this is hard numbers. This isn't biased. This isn't, I like the guy, I don't like the guy. This is just what happened. Yeah, and obviously Justin Fields gets a lot of yards on the ground that some of those other quarterbacks don't, but... I mean, 225 yards passing in today's NFL is not that much. It's not. And I know offense was a little down this year compared to past years, but it really shouldn't be that 
significant to throw for 225 yards in a game. I mean, right. listen to some of the quarterbacks that you listed off that were ahead of him. And that's just been my complaint with the Bears offense for years now is that you get all the words and all the excuses and you get, wow, we're, we're heading in the right direction and all you got to do is block this playoff and look, we're close, we're close, we're close. And then you just look down every week and it's, well, we've got another 150-yard passing game or we've got another half where we scored three points and th- there's just not enough results to go along with all the words that get spoken around this offense. Yeah. And, that's just a really eye-opening statistic because, like, when you're down with Mason Rudolph in any category, that's probably not a good <laughs> sign. So, you know, a lot of Justin Field, a lot of the Justin Fields love is propped up on a couple of good games that he had at the end of the year against bad teams. He had two pretty good performances against Detroit. He had the great performance against Atlanta. He had the good performance against Arizona. And he had a couple other good games in there, but there was a lot of bad in there too. And that includes the last game of the season against Green Bay. That includes the game against Minnesota up here. It's one of the worst football games that anyone will ever watch. Yeah. Like, there's just too many games where just nothing's happening and you can blame the offensive coordinator and you can blame the line and like there's a million excuses you can make but there's just not enough consistent production over his three years here and that is just another reason why i think that they're taking caleb williams at number one so you mentioned the rushing uh component and i was interested in that because you're right he does bring something there that is rare right so I looked um, in 21, uh, 22, and 23, um, he ran for 2,220 yards. Okay. In those three years, that was second. Yeah. Only behind Lamar Jackson. And he missed a few games, too, which actually so did, so did Lamar. Yeah, so, so did of, Lamar. Kind of surprising that those two are at the top. but He averaged... 6.2 yards per carry, which is pretty amazing, right? Yeah, pretty good. That was good for first. Yeah. He had 14 rushing touchdowns. That was good for third. Uh, he had 130 first downs. That was good for fourth. And his uh, success rate on four first downs was 53.4%, which was good for fourth. Um. How do you, how do you how do you look at that as an asset that that Fields brings that you know some of those you know that most of those other guys all on that list are not doing obviously yeah it's undeniable that it's his best strength I mean you could make an argument that he's the best pure runner in space in the NFL I mean he is just an elite size and speed combination, and we've seen it on display. But Insane sometimes. Yeah, the, and the problem's been that so much of that production has felt like it's the result of him having to pull the ball down and kind of run for his life. Right. Or like the classic, just unblocked defensive end comes scree- <laughs> screaming off the edge unabated, and Fields is able to get out of it, and then he just spins away and gets 20 yards miraculously. If the Bears do hang on to Justin, my hope would be that Shane Waldron finds a way to make that 
production a little bit more intentional, if that makes sense. Because right. you watch Lamar, and a lot of Lamar's runs look like that's what was supposed to happen. Yeah. <laughs> or at least looks like the play was designed up and it was blocked correctly and maybe the coverage was good and then he just found a lane and took off. Like, there's just fewer times with Lamar where it's like, wow, any other quarterback would have gotten absolutely killed there, but he was able to use his raw athletic talent and get 10 yards out of it. Like, if they keep Justin and pair him with Shane Waldron, I hope it just becomes a more a more tactical part of the offense as opposed to what we saw with Getze, which felt like a lot of times they were trying to steer him away from using his legs to his advantage. And then only when Justin Fields had to call out the offensive coaching staff publicly, did they say, all right, well maybe we'll go back to some of that. It's like, how about you take the player that you have and try to maximize the things he does best? Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree. Uh, the, you know, obviously, what we saw from what we can glean from that data about how many 225 plus passing yard games there were, like I said, um, in that list of 11 quarterbacks that threw for 10 or more uh, games, 10 of them went to the playoffs. That That's not a coincidence, right? Um, and then when you look at the playoff games themselves, uh, the quarterbacks that primarily had the good passing games were the ones that advanced. Yeah. You know? Uh, so I think that, uh, you know, this new offense under Waldron, I was trying to find the stat here, but the way I understand it is the Bears in 2023 had in the top three highest designed quarterback runs of any team. And the Seahawks this year were in the bottom three. Interesting. So that is quite a difference in in offensive per- perspective and overall scheme, right? Yeah, I mean... Waldron was working with Geno Smith, who's a little older, so maybe that's why. Sure. And they also just had good running backs and viable options at receiver, right? So, like, maybe that just wasn't a big part of their game plan. But, yeah, that, that is an interesting stat for sure. So, we, we have – does that, to you, indicate movement more towards the Bears looking to make, bring more of a passer in? and say goodbye to Fields? No, I don't think you could take one year. I think it speaks highly to Waldron coaching the team that he has on the field. Right. That was always the complaint with Getze, which is like, why are you coaching offensive players that aren't on the roster? Yeah. Like, why are you trying to coach Aaron Rodgers? So, And we, we, we you know, that wasn't just our opinion. We saw that, and we heard that a lot. Oh, yeah, I mean... People that know way more about football than you and me would talk about that every week, which is, man, what are you looking at? Like, yeah. Why do you keep running stuff that clearly isn't the best suited for this offense? But, like, I, I would need to go back and study Shane Waldron and 
listen to some of his interviews and try to understand a little bit better how he feels about that debate of win from the pocket versus win outside of the pocket. I, I don't think that this hire does anything to foreshadow what the Bears are going to do at quarterback. I think we're just going to have to wait and see. So um, one of the questions that also came up, um, and I, I think we're on the same page when it comes to this, but uh, I, I wanted to run it by you anyway. A, certain, uh, a, a fan wrote in and wondered if Tyson Bajan could be the quarterback <laughs> of the future. Uh, no. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Um, How did that make it into the mailbag? I, I don't know. Sometimes some of the questions that get, get, get answered are, are, are pretty crazy. I had kind of forgotten about Tyson Bajan, honestly. I, I, I think most people have kind of forgot about Tyson like, Bajan. Whatever the Bears do at QB1 next year, they better make some sort of a legitimate investment in a backup quarterback. Yeah. Whether it's a draft pick or... I think you'll see a vet. Yeah, like, they they can't do that again with Bajan. And You've got to have some kind of protection uh, against injury. Yeah, Bajan can be the third quarterback that's on the practice squad because... Yeah. The only reason he got thrust into the primary backup, and I shouldn't say thrust because he won the job fair and square, but that's only because the backup quarterback that you brought in, P.J. Walker, was so bad that you yeah. couldn't keep him on the roster after training camp. Yeah. Which is funny because he actually went on and started a couple games with the Browns, but poorly. But, yeah, uh, but poorly, right. I mean, and, and Nathan Peterman and Trevor Simeon were both equally awful. Yeah, you, you got to bring in somebody that you can throw out there with a straight face because yeah. Bajan I think went <laughs> with a straight face Bajan right. went two and two like if you look at those two wins it was against a Raiders team that had completely quit and against the Carolina Panthers yeah like Peterman or Simeon or whomever else would have won those games too you've got to go out and get somebody that can at least get you through a couple games if the starter goes down Peterman and, wouldn't have <laughs> You're right. Let, let's be honest. No, but Peterman would have probably thrown eight interceptions. Yeah, but Bajan did that too. Bajan <laughs> like, was terrible. And if they give him a couple more years to develop and he turns into somebody that you can keep on your roster, then that's a great win for an undrafted quarterback out of Shepard. But you can't go into next year with him as your primary backup. That would be just malpractice from a roster construction standpoint. So um, the only other thing that I wanted to uh, to quickly cover is um, what do you see as far as um, you know now that now they now that they've brought Waldron in, do you think that the decision comes soon on the quarterback, or do you think it's something like we'll be waiting until the draft day i think the latter i think that and i can never remember the schedule with all this but they've got to go through the whole evaluation process where they've got to go to all the pro days and the combine and meet with all these guys and do all of their fbi background checks to learn everything (laughs) that every one of these guys has ever said and done so I think they're going to go through that process, and I think that 
they're just going to wait for quarterback mania to set in. Yeah. Because if the plan is to trade fields, which is what I think they will do, then I think his value is only going to just get higher the closer you get to the draft. It depends on how many teams, obviously, are bidding. Yeah, and teams that aren't in the top seven or eight or wherever that cutoff is, like the Atlanta Falcons are going to start to panic, and they're going to say, all right, well, if we're not going to be able to draft the guy that we really want and we're not going to be able to trade up far enough to get one of the best prospects, then we can't go into next year with Desmond Ritter. So we've got to do something. So maybe instead of giving up a third-round pick, we'll give up our second-round pick. So I think that they're just going to wait for teams to get desperate, and they're going to say that Justin is our quarterback until he's not. And I think they'll be noncommittal. And I saw, I heard a couple of people talking about the fact that Bears social media is still pumping up Justin Fields, right? Like they're still putting out videos of him on the Bears Twitter feed. Hmm. It's like, well, what else are they going to do? Yeah. Like, I mean, right now he's the starting quarterback. Yeah. It would, it would be a bigger story if they weren't doing those types of things. So. He's under contract and he is the starting quarterback. And they could do all their evaluations and absolutely hate Caleb Williams and Drake May and Jaden Daniels. It could it could happen. Like I doubt it. I think that they're going to fall in love with a guy, but it's not guaranteed that Justin Fields won't be back under center week one. So for now, I think that they're just going to keep all their options open as an organization. Yeah. And the other thing that I think is funny is like a lot of Bears fans, I think, are terrified of Justin Fields getting traded and doing better somewhere else. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I hope he does go somewhere else and does well. Tears it up. Yeah. I mean, as long as he's not playing against the Bears, I hope he does play really well wherever he goes. And I hope he has a really long and successful NFL career. But if he goes somewhere else and plays better than he did here, then the correct way to judge that is, does whatever quarterback the Bears replace him with play better than he's playing somewhere else? Yeah. Like, if Justin Fields goes to the Falcons and is a top-five quarterback, then you want Caleb Williams on the Bears to be a top-three quarterback. Yeah. That's... that's And and Biggs notes in this, uh, you know, there's been this stuff floating around about how uh, Fields is so well-liked in the locker room, right? And how is that going to reflect on a new guy? And Biggs puts it very plainly and says, it's going to reflect that Fields left and the new guy's here, and hey, we're going to support the new guy because we want the team to win. (laughs) That's the way it works. These guys are professionals. It's not personal. This kind of stuff happens to even the very greatest players of all time. So, yes, that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, Jalen Johnson gave a great answer on this exact topic a few weeks ago, and he basically said that, Look, the general manager's job is to get the best players available onto this roster. And do we all love Justin? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But we all understand that this is a business, and we're all susceptible to being replaced by somebody better. So, yeah, we love Justin, but we also understand that there might be somebody new next year, too, and of course they're going to support that guy. Yeah. And that's the same way I feel about the fan base because people keep saying, well, they were chanting his name at Soldier Field and the, there's such a large segment of the fan base that wants Justin back. But if they move on, then that section of the fan base will be mad for 24 hours and then they're going to get right on to rooting <laughs> for the next guy. Like right. That's how all this works is that 
the new guy comes out and throws three touchdown passes in the first game, and people are going to forget real soon. Yeah, like, can you imagine the reaction to the video that'll get posted next year in training camp of Caleb Williams hitting Rome Adunze for a 70-yard bomb yeah. in practice? Like, Bears Twitter will collectively freak out. Yeah. And whatever. Like, it's just all, all of the worrying that's going on here it's like this is a good problem to have they've got their chance to pick between several really good options at quarterback i think one of those options being keep justin but i think more likely draft a better prospect like this team should be pretty exciting next year and i'm doing my best not to let the matt eberflus thing like be a rain cloud over my head <laughs> for the next right. nine months because I do think that that is just actively having not as good of a coach as he can. But I keep trying to remind myself this roster should be pretty good next year. Like this, it team, should be pretty good. This team should absolutely win ten games next year. Where uh, Paul said, you know, in in twenty four, he was expecting. To see, you know, to see that jump, and yeah, I think in 24 we should be looking at a playoff spot and contending for uh, the division crown. Like, you're going to have national NFL people predicting the Bears to go to, like, the NFC Championship game next year. Yeah. Not all of them, no. but you're going to have a couple of credentialed, like, established NFL analysts saying, you know, the Bears are going to surprise some people. Yeah. That happens... Every year in the NFL, like, this is going to be a trendy team that people are going to be excited to watch going into next year, regardless of what they do at quarterback. Like, as long as they're not ending up in a position where Tyson Bajant is the QB1. And I don't think we're <laughs> going to be in that position. Of course not. So, I, I think that these are good problems to have, and it's going to be fun to see how it shapes out. Although, so, just uh, real quickly... Um, Kansas City Chiefs at Baltimore Ravens. Uh, looks like, what do we got from the matchup predictor? Uh, 64 to 36 in favor of the Ravens. Yeah, how do you not go with Baltimore? Yeah. I mean, they're the better team. Pat Mahomes is a magician, but I don't know if he's got enough in him to go into Baltimore and win this game. So I, I think it's going to be a fun one, but I am predicting Baltimore. Yeah, I think, I think so too. I think Baltimore heads back to the Super Bowl. Um, Lamar Jackson, you know, uh, pretty, pretty darn good year. 3,678 yards, 24 touchdowns. Um, and you know, then he also had whatever he had as far as rushing too. He had quite, uh, he was the only person that finished in front of, uh, Justin Fields yeah. as far as rushing. Great year for him. Um, and you know, uh, the Chiefs, uh, have to go on the road and, and win another one in Baltimore. I don't see that happening. Uh, Lions at Niners. Matchup predictor, 74 to 26. I think it's a whole lot closer than that if uh, Debo does not play or is seriously still hurting when he was playing. I agree with that. I, I think that the Packers exposed some things in the 49ers. And, look, the Packers could have easily won that game. Yeah. If their kicker makes that... Yeah, field goal. Then you never know. I I think the 49ers are still the better team, but I'm I'm not a believer in Purdy, especially if Debo's hurt. So he he 
we've talked about it before. He fits well in their system, but he was missing just one of his weapons, and it severely hurt that offense. Yeah, and they were they escaped with that win. I mean, let's be honest. And it's actually kind of a bummer. I didn't want the Packers to win, obviously. But no. can, can you imagine how cool it would have been to see the NFC Championship game in Detroit? <laughs> but, yeah, no doubt. Lions and Packers in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm excited to watch this one. I think Detroit could keep it a little bit closer, especially, like you said, if Debo's not out there. I think, man, McCaffrey is just playing like a man possessed this yeah. year. And I, I think that's going to be the difference. I still think the 49ers win the game, but... Detroit just I feels like kind of they've got that Team of Destiny vibe a little bit. I, they do. I, I think they might be up against it too much here, but I wouldn't be surprised if they keep it close. If they, um, I think the, it, their offensive line is going to be a huge key in it, uh, keeping that uh, front seven uh, off, off Goff. Um, Goff has shown in, in, the, in the two Bears games that if you can get him shaken up a little bit, uh, you can get him off of his game. And the Bears actually did a pretty good job of that in both games. Uh, the game that they lost in the fourth quarter, that's exactly what happened. Is They, they, they didn't have any more pressure on, on Goff in that last four minutes. And he was able to score against them. Uh, I think, obviously, if uh, Debo Samuel doesn't play again, like I said, I think that will hurt them, uh, hurt the Niners severely. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he's so important. And I could see, I could see the Lions stealing that game if if he doesn't play. So, I, it, you know, it, it's certainly two different um, um, uh, senses of momentum. Yeah. Right. And getting Goff out of that dome, I think, could have an impact. He's not as good on the road throughout his career, and yeah. having to go into a hostile environment, we'll see. But. I mean, it, look, for all the jokes that are made about Jared Goff, I mean, he's been in this situation before. He's played in a Super Bowl. He's played in a lot of playoff games. Like, he's been on big stages. And, like, this 49ers team might be one of the best teams that we've seen. Like, they're, yeah. they're absolutely stacked. But it's one game, and, yeah, you never know. It's, it's Brock Purdy, too. I mean, Brock Purdy could have easily thrown a couple more interceptions in that game. So... I don't think the 49ers are invincible by any means. I, I think it should be a good one out there. I still, I think I'm going, um, I'm still going Niners and Ravens, though. Yeah, a rematch of, what, Christmas night where the Ravens beat the 49ers, I believe, 228 to nothing. <laughs> so, right. hopefully, hopefully the Super Bowl is a little bit more entertaining than that quote-unquote game of the year was yeah. on, on Christmas night. Yeah, so... Okay, well, uh, that's it for uh, this week. Thanks again for uh, listening, and uh, we'll uh, catch you next week. Yeah, we'll talk to you when we talk to you. Thanks, everyone. Bear down.